But last week we started a series called The Art of Joy, Five Everyday Habits to Help You Find Joy in Jesus. We're doing this because we think when we look at culture, we look around us, we see that joy is, is uh, kind of in short supply right now. Just with all the things happening, it's we, not just the, us, but even the church, even our culture, we are struggling to find joy. And so we as a church, we wanted to commit five weeks to helping us rekindle that joy, find that joy, and let that grow. As Christians, joy is one of the markers of our faith, and so we want that to be, uh, we want to be led by that. We want to, when we go out in the community, we want them to see the joy, but also so close to joy is faith and love and hope. And we worry that if joy is missing, that maybe some of those other things are missing as well. So we're committing these weeks to recapturing that joy, and we're going to give you um, some things to do, to put in your life to recapture that joy. So um, this is not just, you know, good intentions. It's not good, you know, New Year's resolutions or just some plans or Christian kind of grin and bear it attitudes. What we were looking for is for these habits that we're going to be talking about, for those to uh, create space in our hearts and our minds so that it can be transformed uh, to the image of God, to that our hearts would be transformed to be, look more and more like Christ. So that is our desire. We want soul change to happen. And so last week, Pastor Mike started talking about worship, uh, not just singing, but just the whole, our whole lives are worship and building uh, areas of worship in our lives each day. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about preaching, all right? Not the kind of preaching I'm doing here. I'm not going to tell you to go listen to some preaching every single day. That's not the habit. In fact, I'm turning around. I want you, I want you to be the preacher. Today we're going to be talking about preaching the gospel to yourself. And so by the end of today, I want to like ordain all of you as pastors, as preachers of the gospel. That you, but your audience is not a church of a hundred or thousands. Your audience is yourself, your own heart. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. How do you preach the gospel to yourself so that you can find joy today? Charles Spurgeon, many years back, wrote this. He said, the most important daily habit we can possess is to remind ourselves of the gospel. The most important daily habit. Think about that. Spurgeon was saying the most important daily habit is not prayer or reading the Bible or worship. I mean, those are go-tos, and I'm sure he would say those are good habits. But he says the most important daily habit is for us to remind ourselves of the gospel. This is the habit we are trying to build. But why is that so important? Well, the gospel is supernatural. The gospel is what changes lives. The gospel is what introduced you to Jesus. The gospel was your introduction into the family of God, into the, the kingdom of God. So the, the gospel is important, it's central. But here's the problem. So many Christians, we enter the kingdom with the gospel, but we kind of leave the gospel there at the front door. 
we leave it there just saying, you know, um, this is how I entered in. If I'm going to leave it here for somebody else. So if somebody else wants to enter in the kingdom, the gospel will be right there. But what we fail to do is take that gospel with us, to, to rely on it, to lean on it, to learn from it each and every day. But this is essential. If we are going to grow in our faith, we have to remind ourselves of the gospel daily. I'm going to quote John Piper, who talked on this same matter. And this is John Piper's quote. I have it memorized. He said this, We must never, 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 never forget the gospel. Unquote. <laughs> That's Piper. We must never forget this. We have to take it with us daily. And for us to do that, we got to preach it daily, preaching the gospel to ourselves. So that's what we'll talk about today. And when we do that, when we preach the gospel to ourselves, we remind ourselves of our own limits, right? Of our own, uh, just our own spiritual limits. But we also remind ourselves of the unlimited power of God that's at work in each one of us. And that's power brings us, is the fertile ground for joy to grow. So that's what we'll be looking at today. We'll talk about how to preach, what to preach. And if I have some time, we'll talk about an example of preaching that we find in Scripture. So that's what we'll do today. So first thing is how to preach to yourself. Many, some, well, maybe some of you have heard this concept before. Maybe probably there's probably many of you haven't. Maybe you haven't even thought about it this way. And so for some of you, this is the first time you've thought about it. How do I do this? How do I preach to myself. Uh, you know, so much of our Christian life has been spent, you know, around preaching, but it's on the Sunday morning worship where we, we come to church, or um, in this case, we sit on the couch and turn on the computer. Um, but we come to church, we worship, we pray, we tithe, we hear somebody preach, and then we go home or turn off the computer, and we go on with our days. But that is not the whole of our Christian life. That's one part of it, and it's an important part of it. And I, for one, I, I, we're probably going to continue these uh, recordings, you know, for a long time. But someday we're going to come back together, hopefully soon. We'll be together and we can worship corporately. I can't wait for that. But even that, that's not the extent of our spiritual worship. It continues through the week, and this is where where the preacher ends and where you begin. But all you get to do is pick up a new sermon. Just pick up a new sermon and preach that to yourselves daily. So where do we start? We start with remembering that this is about what God has done for you. It's not about what you've done or your feelings, right? This isn't about do I feel like preaching to myself, right? Because this is not based on feelings. Other things in life can be based on feelings. You can say, do I feel like cooking dinner tonight? No, I don't, so let's go out. Or you can say, do I feel like working out tonight? Mm, no, I don't really feel like it, so I, I won't do it. We can do that in life. We can't do that when it comes to our faith. We can't do that when it comes to the gospel. This isn't about feeling. It's not about what I can do or anything like that, but it's about what God has done already what he's generously done for us it's remembering that and forming habits to keep that front and center 
in our minds. Okay, so that's where we start, remembering what Jesus has already done in his life, his death, his resurrection. What does it mean? What's it look like? It means that we, as followers of Christ, we need to crave God's word. We crave it. We desire it. We long for it. We love it. We put ourselves underneath it. We apply God's word into our lives. Preaching to ourselves is the habit of letting God's word become more than words on the paper, but they would become effectual. They would become life-giving. They become powerful. They've, they would accomplish what they were set out to do and to give us life, to give us spiritual life, ultimately to make us more like Christ. Now, we understand that not all of us crave God's word. There are times where all of us, we, we just, um, for whatever reason, we stop craving it. And I don't say that to guilt you because it's true of myself, right? All of us. There's times where we love it, where we crave it, where we can't get enough of it. And there's times where the Bible just kind of sits there and day by day goes by without this desire to crave, crave it. And I don't know what you think about pastors, you know, you, maybe you think that we always, you know, we're just completely drawn to this every day, it's just natural, like it's like a magnet to our hearts. But even as pastors, like, this is something we have to work with too. We're human. And uh, while we have put our life underneath the gospel and We've committed our, our seminary years to learning this and, and even now reading it and understanding it and studying it and preaching it. We still need to um, have moments where we, we, we need to crave it more than we do. I remember years ago, kind of in my own life, I was um, just struggling with the scriptures. They just weren't alive to me. And I remember having this conversation with the Lord, just saying, Lord, um, this book is made alive because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings this book alive, and I know that the Holy Spirit is also giving me life, and I need you to connect these things. I need you to take your word and, and bring it into my life, that I would desire it. And I don't remember how it happened or when, but I remember it happening, that God answered that prayer, and that the scriptures ever since have just become alive but it was years of me trying and pushing and just trying to do it until I finally just said, Lord, you got to do this. This is supernatural work, and I'm letting you into my life, and I want you to, to bring this scripture alive. And that's what God does. He loves to do that. But preaching to ourselves means that we are we're, we're, we're captured with his word. I was encouraged this week meeting with one of our members he was just going through some tough times in his life, but he was saying how since that, he has gone down first thing in the morning, he goes downstairs, he gets on his knees, and he just spends time with God, whether it's reading or praying or listening to a sermon or whatever. He's spending time with the Lord, and I love that. I love that habit, and I want that for all of us. And so if you're struggling with it, if it's hard, just be honest and ask why it is, and then bring those reasons to the Lord and let him enter in and bring this word of God alive to you. I know the spirit will do that. So when we talk about preaching, it all comes through the scripture. It comes with a passion to 
uh, hear it and crave it, but it also, it's a, it's a passion to, to sit under its authority. It's a desire to sit under the authority of Scripture. We have to let God's Word enlighten and change our thoughts and our affections. So that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God is to govern our lives. Think about it. It's to govern our lives as followers of Christ, as disciples. This is what we need to fashion our choices or to challenge our traditions. And ultimately, it's what we need to make us more and more like Christ. In other words, we need to let the Bible have functional authority to shape how we live, how we feel, how we act, and what we believe, value, and teach. Letting the scriptures have authority. In, in Romans 15, Paul talks about this. He says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. He's saying that all the scriptures, the Old Testament, the New, they were written for us so that we would have this endurance and it would lead us to hope. In 2 Timothy, another passage that Paul writes, he, in fact, I'm going to rely on Paul a lot today as he writes about scripture. But he says in 2 Timothy, he's writing to Timothy, he says, but as for you, continue what you've learned and what you've become convinced of what you've learned over the years, ever since you were a little child, that you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And he says, all Scripture is God-breathed. It means it comes from God. It's, it's alive. It has power. It's not dead or dying. It's alive and it's growing. That it has, it's, has power for teaching us and for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to be equipped for every good work. I desperately do. I want everything I do uh, for the Lord as I go out each and every day, I want it to, to be powered by God's word, and I need that to equip me to do so. Once again, Paul says in Romans 12:2, he says, Do not be conformed to the world. Do not be conformed to the world. See, everybody is conformed to the world. That's our natural bent. But he says, Now be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Where do we find the will of God? The good, perfect, pleasing will of God. It's right here. We need this, to sit under this, to sit under the authority of Scripture and let it transform our mind so it looks less like the world that's around us and more like Christ. That happens when we preach to ourselves, when we lean into the Word of God. So that's a little introduction. Now, what do we preach? What do we preach to ourselves? Uh, we could probably go many different ways, but I'll, I'm just going to go this way, that what we need to preach is that we need to preach the law, and we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. The law and the gospel. 
Okay, that's what we need to hear. We need to hear that daily. And what do I mean by that? I'm just going to give you, a, books are written on this, but I'm going to give you just summarize it just into a, a short kind of summary. But the law, the law is what teaches us what is right and what is wrong, what we can do and what we should do and then what we shouldn't do, right? Um, we, uh, we have that here. I mean, every culture has laws. I think we all understand that. We understand that even here in America, we have laws that tell us what we can't do, all right? We can't uh, drive under the influence or drive drunk or intoxicated or whatever. We can't do that. It tells us we can't do that, but it also tells us what we can do, right? That we have, we, we, we have the right to free speech and all kinds of things. You get it, all right? The law puts these boundaries around us. In the same way, for us, for men and women who are living our lives to glorify God, we have the law. The law is here. So many times we think of the Old Testament law, we think of the Ten Commandments, which is true, that's the law. And so much more. Later and on in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and here in, in Luke 10, for instance, Jesus summarizes the law, and he says, here's, here's the law, right? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of that is written up. It's summarized right there. The law shows us what is right, how we are to love God, how we are to love him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. There's so much there as we talk about how we know God and how we love him, how we serve him, how we honor him, how we respect him, how we make his name great, how we worship him. There's so much there in the law that tells us that. But it also shows us how we relate to our neighbors, how to care for the poor, the fatherless, the widow, how to be kind and hospitable to the refugee and the immigrant among us. It teaches us how to love our spouses, our parents, our neighbors, our employees, our employer, how to love the church, the community that is around us. It teaches us what that looks like. For pastors, we read, too, just what it, what it looks like. What is the law regarding the church? How do we shepherd our people with caring for them? How do we be good shepherds and not the bad shepherds? So all these are just, it's law. It's showing us what it looks like. But it also, the law also shows us what's wrong. Because we see what is required. And we see how we are to love God and we are to love the community. Paul responds to this again in Romans 7. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Is it bad? No, it's not. It's good. He says, I would have never known what sin had been if it weren't for the law. I would have not known what coveting really was if I had not, if I had not heard it said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by that commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. Right? What, what he's saying is, the law is good. It's great, but it also exposes who we are, that we are dirty little lawbreakers. That's who we are. We're lawbreakers. We have broken the law on every account. We have not honored God the way we should. We have not worshiped him and respected him the way we should. We have not honored our neighbors the way we should. We haven't loved them like Christ loved the church. We haven't loved them to the nth degree. 
And maybe even when we have done the right thing, we've shown love, we haven't thought it. Or maybe we think about loving him, but we don't display it. In, in all these ways, we've broken the law. So what do we learn? We know that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we know that the wages of sin is death. The law is saying, here's your boundaries. Here's what's expected of you. You've broken everyone. You deserve death. So the law doesn't sound good right there, but... It also tells us what we need, what we need. We're lawbreakers. We need forgiveness, cleansing, and restoration. We need the gospel. We need someone who come and can stand before us, someone who has checked off all the laws, said, I've done that one, I've done that one, I've done that one, I've done all these perfectly. Someone who's done that for us. Someone who can stand before God and said, I, I have lived a holy and upright and perfect life. Someone who would be a sacrifice, who would die on our behalf, would die for us, who would take the wrath that is deserved to us, that they would take that upon themselves. And we see that that's what we need, and we are introduced to that person who is Jesus Christ, who lived the law perfectly, who died a righteous death for us who became sin for us so that we might uh, discover the, the righteousness of Christ. I think it was John Owens who, who said that, that he is able to bring all of his sin, all of his garbage and place it at the cross, leave it there and walk away with all of Christ's righteousness. And that only happens because of the gospel. So the law is there right in front of us. It tells us what, how we've fallen short, but then we're introduced to the gospel, and the grace and the mercy of God that we find through Jesus Christ. Once again, in Romans 7, uh, verse 21, he's, Paul is continuing this thought, and he says, I see this law at work. Although I, I want to be good, I want to do what is right, but evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but there's this other law at work as well. It's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul understood the law, but he also understood that the law pointed to the gospel. It pointed to Christ and what he has done, his life, his death, his resurrection, how he opened the way to God for anyone who puts their faith in him, that they would have entrance into the kingdom of God, into his family, into eternal life. All of this happens because of what Christ has done. So now, you and me, that is what we preach. You need to be the preacher. You need to preach that message to yourself. I, I think daily. Preach it daily. To take it with us each and every day. Maybe two times a day, three times a day, maybe many times. 
So here's what it looks like. I mean, just for me, I'll only talk about my experience, just where I'm at. But for me, I try, I think over the years, I've tried to train myself for the first, right when my alarm goes off, that first thought needs to go to God. Years ago, I used to, um, like, I, I think it kind of first started, I started singing this song. Um, I think it's a hymn, but it, I sung it from Jars of Clay, so that kind of dates it, tells you where I was in life. But it was that song, just the hymn, I need you every hour, every hour I need you. And so I, it really meant a lot to me that I just needed every hour, the beginning of my day, I needed to fill myself with Christ. I needed him. I couldn't go on with my day without him. And now it's when I wake up, the first thing I say is just, Lord, I'm here. Fill me. Fill me up. I'm, I'm ready to be filled with you. With my first thoughts, go to him. Usually a little bit later in the morning, maybe uh, after I've had coffee or breakfast, it's now I'm a little more intentional. And, and, and I think this, I, I go to that, remember that story, it's in Luke 18, where Jesus is in the temple and he sees the Pharisee standing there just saying before God, like, I am awesome. I am awesome for all I've done. I'm great. And then they look and they see a tax collector who's like in the corner, not even looking up and just hitting himself, just saying, I am a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me. For me, that's where I go. That, to me, is the starting place. I, Even though I've been saved, even though I've experienced forgiveness, I'm still a sinner. I still am, am a sinner who is needing grace and need mercy daily. And so I start there. But then I go to remembering what has happened to my sin. So, for instance, Psalm 103, verse 12, where it says, As far as the east is from the west, so he's removed our transgressions from us. That they are gone. They're in two different directions. They'll never meet. I heard a, a pastor say one time that, Hey, when Christ has done that and he's looking at you, his back is at sin. He will never see that sin. Paul writes about this too. He writes, he says that, in Romans 4, he says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the ones whose sins the Lord never counts against them. Your sins are covered. They're not counted against you. He says again in Romans 8, verse 1, probably the one verse that just boggles my mind. Probably, it's got to be one of my favorite verses because I can't comprehend it. He says, now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he tells us why in verse 2. He says, because the spirit, the law of life, the gospel of Christ, has set you free from the law of sin and death. No condemnation. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I've tried to glorify you. I've failed in my thoughts and my actions every which way but you've taken those sins because of Christ and you've removed them. No condemnation. They're covered. They're not counted against me. Praise the Lord. All because of what Jesus did. And now I'm ready to go. Now I'm ready to go. And I'm going I'm to live not in obligation, not trying to prove anything because all that's been done. The hard work is done. Jesus has done it. He's secured salvation. But now I just get to go and live my life and go walk free with peace and with joy and just let him be glorified. 
much more to say, but let me just, let me close with just an example how we see this in Scripture. Um, probably got a lots of verses, but in this one, in Psalm 103, verse 5, David is, is writing, and he's, he's reminding himself what he needs to hear. He's preaching the gospel to himself, even though this is before Christ, but he's preaching the gospel. And so many psalms are written corporately, but this one he is writing to himself. And it says, Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not his benefits. He's using my soul, but he could put his name in and you can put your name in. Praise the Lord, Ethan, all my inmost beings. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, Ethan, and forget not his benefits. Here's his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You tell me you don't see the gospel in that? We see the gospel right there. And he, David, is reminding himself, this is what you need to hear. You need to hear it today. And we need to do the same thing. We need to remind ourselves the truth of how God sees us and how we are to view him. I don't know about you, but I think many of us, I, I, I probably do know about you. I think we all do this. We all have this bad news that we play to ourselves. We do it all the time. It's our negative thoughts. You know, this person doesn't like me. They didn't look at me. It's probably, you know, I'm not good at anything. I'm worthless. Whatever it is, I'm such a disappointment. We have our negative thoughts, but we have to replace those, and we replace those with the truth. Martin Lloyd-Jones old-time British pastor. I feel like today it's British pastors and Paul. That's kind of my thing with a little dose of David. But um, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is because you're listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself? Okay, your unhappiness comes because you're listening to yourself, not talking to yourself. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning or the, or the moment you go to bed. You did not originate them. But they're there talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Someone is talking to you. Who is it? You are talking to you. Instead, instead of letting yourself listen to bad news, you need to talk to yourself good news. He says, self, listen, I'm talking to you. We have to go on the aggressive. We got to stop listening to all those voices that we've heard for so many years that come from our families or our parents or our friends or just our own internal thing. They come from Satan. We've got to stop listening to those. We got to hear the words of Christ, the words from God, the gospel. We've got to do this aggressively. Saying, Ethan, do not forget what God is doing to you. He, he is showing you so much love and mercy. Pay attention. We're saying, Ethan, if God is for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare himself, his own son, he who did not spare his own son, Ethan, he gave up himself for you. 
Will he not give you all things? Who's going to bring a charge against you? No one. Ethan, what can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. These are the voices we need to hear. The words of the scriptures, the words of Christ. Much more to say, but let's, let's wrap it up. I want you to be a preacher. I want you to go out and preach. Preach every day. Preach to yourself. Preach the gospel. Preach the truth. Hear it. Listen to it. Let it dwell deep in your hearts. If you do that, your mind, your heart, will be filled with the words of God rather than the words of men and women or anybody or anything else. We want that for you. It will also remind you of the work that Christ has already done, what has been accomplished. Right? The work is done. Salvation is secured. Your future in heaven is secured. Now you go and live at peace and have joy wherever you go, whatever you do. Preach the gospel to yourself. How does it work or does it work? I'm convinced it does. I'm going to give you an example. This is, this is case in point right here. Okay. Earlier this week, I was uh, on Wednesday. I was just working hard to get everything ready. It was a busy day, appointments and, and trying to prepare this message, stress. But I got a phone call and it was a number that was not listed. There was no, you know, there was no name to it. And normally I don't take those, especially, especially when I'm busy. But because of all the things that have been happening and there's plumber numbers and, and insurance and all these other numbers, I decided I would take it just in case. And it was the, uh, the salesman, the salesman um, wanting to sell me on something. This call was from DirecTV. I mean, I have DirecTV. I don't know why I still have it. I need to let it go, but I still do. I still have it. But this DirecTV saying, hey, Mr. Hedberg, um, thank you for taking the call. Mr. Hedberg, we have an offer for you. Mr. Hedberg, starting this weekend, you are getting free Cinemax TV on all the different channels, Mr. Hedberg. It's wonderful. You will get the best movies and my favorite American beauty, Mr. Hedberg. You're going to love it. It's going to make your life wonderful. You're going to be blessed. This is the best thing that's ever happened to you, Mr. Hedberg. I'm exaggerating a little bit at the end, but not too much. Normally, I would take that and just say, I'm not interested and hang up. But for whatever reason, I had compassion. Uh, I heard this voice, and maybe it was just because she kept saying, you know, Mr. Hedberg, Mr. Hedberg, it was kind of funny. Um, to me, I, I kind of smiled. But I just suddenly just thought of this person, this, this is their job, right? They probably don't love this job. Probably not their favorite job. Probably wasn't their first job, but for whatever reason, they, they got it and they're doing it. And I'm glad this person has a job. I'm glad that they're, they're earning money with a job. And so I didn't interrupt. I just let them go to say their thing. And in the end, I just said, no, I'm not interested. And she, she tried to convince me, you know. I said, I don't want to, I know I can, it's $13 the next month. I don't want to pay for it. And I'm, I'm going to forget to call. She's like, oh, that's okay, Mr. Herberg. I'm going to give you a phone number, and there's no wait at this number. It'll, you'll get right on. I'm like, no, I'm still not interested. Why not, Mr. Herberg? I don't want those movies in my house. It doesn't do anything for me. It's not uh, something that I'm interested in. I don't want that in my life or in my home. Mr. Herberg, I don't understand. And I just said, I'm just not interested. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. God bless. But 
thank you. She's like, okay, thank you. Have a good day. To me, that's case in point that this works because I preached the gospel that day and I was able to see somebody that I'm normally annoyed with and normally have no patience for and would normally get mad at them for calling me, wasting my time. But it took a couple minutes and I was able to respect them and just care for them and go on my life. And it didn't discourage me. I was able to go with peace and have joy. That's how I know this works. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Let the word of God come in so that we can be at peace, so that we can be filled with joy, and so we can let that joy shine out in this world because you know our world needs to see some joy. Amen.